Good morning and happy Monday to you. It is March 6th and you are listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. It's good to be with you once again this morning. And let us begin our hour together in prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, I normally say let's begin the morning together, and I just said, or or I say let's begin the hour together, but this morning I almost tripped up there saying our hour, and it's a little too early for word puzzles like that. Today on the show, we're going to be talking with our uh, radio listeners about the rosary and also spiritual reading, and then for all of our listeners today, we have for you uh, some thoughts on what does firm purpose of amendment mean. We say it often when we're talking about the Sacrament of Reconciliation well, rather than me babble on endlessly about it, we have brought in an expert, and uh, Father Stephen Schumacher is going to be with us later on on the show today, uh, plus the daily dose of encouragement and all the usual goodies we have for you. Now, looking out the window, it looks like it's going to be beautiful, but I have heard so many different weather forecasts for this week, I think it is appropriate that we turn to the expert himself, Mr. Mike Roberts, for our weather and saint of the day. Today is the feast day of St. Colette, founder of the Poor Clares. Born in France in 1381, her parents, Robert and Marguerite, had been unable to conceive. Finally, and after many years, they prayed for the intercession of St. Nicholas, and soon their prayers were answered. In Thanksgiving, they named their daughter Nicolette, calling her Colette for short. She grew up in a household filled with the love of the Lord, but by the time she was 18, both her parents had passed. Colette wanted to live a life as a consecrated woman and initially joined the Benedictines as a lay sister, but wanting a deeper journey, she soon moved on to the Franciscans, living as a hermit for four years. It was during this period in her life that Colette began to have a series of visions and dreams that would call her to lead a reform of the Poor Clares. She was given permission to transfer to the Poor Clares and then to found new monasteries. It was not easy and there was great resistance, but beginning in Geneva and then moving on, she founded 17 convents and reformed several more. Known for her great faith and piety, Colette also continued to have visions, especially of the Lord's passion. She died on this day in 1447. St. Colette, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. When I was younger, say in late grade school and most of high school, textbooks were a part of my morning routine because I was a procrastinator and did not do my homework the night before. 
I thought I was free of that until we came to this morning show where our next guest brought the textbook so I wouldn't have to. Father Stephen Schumacher from the Archdiocese of St. Louis is with us. Father, good morning and thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me, Adam. So often on the show we talk about making a good confession. It's one of those things we like to encourage. And as we say, uh, once a month, uh, if you do the five first Saturdays devotion, you're going to go at least once a month. And that's a good interval. Um, And we often talk about be contrite and, and don't worry, you know, there's no sin so large that God cannot forgive it if you have a contrite heart. And what I often forget to mention or maybe just mention and we don't talk about it enough is another thing we have to have, and that's a firm purpose of amendment. So that's why the textbooks are here. That's why you're here today. Um, Just so we're absolutely clear, could you give our listeners just a, a real quick, what are the basic things you have to have to make a good confession? To make a good confession, you have to have um, contrition, first of all. So you have to know your sins and be sorry for them. Um, You have to be sorry for them all, even if you don't remember them all, um, but kind of virtually sorry for any bad thing that you've done. So we call that contrition. Also included in what is necessary is to actually make confession to a priest, um, to accept the penance that he imposes, and then to receive the absolution that he gives. So those are the integral parts of confession. Um, Actually, the Council of Trent defined that very clearly. He talked about the library that I have brought with me today. Um, The Council of Trent defines contrition as sorrow of the soul and detestation of the sin committed together with the resolve not to sin anymore. So that contrition actually also has parts, which we're going to go into in a little bit. All right. So it sounds like firm purpose of amendment is actually included in contrition. That's right. All right. So firm purpose of amendment is... I mean, exactly what it sounds like. It is the intention not to sin again. Um, This is why it's very useful to use a a formal act of contrition, you know, one that's been, you know, created by by some kind of church authority or some saint down through history. Um, So you, you all know, I'm sure, a prayer called the act of contrition, and it includes all of these elements in it, which is why we ask you to say it. Now, you don't need to say that in order to be contrite, but If you say it, we presume that if you're not lying, then you are contrite. So we ask you to say that act of contrition because it includes in it um, the fact that you hate your sins. That's part of it, the detestation of sins. It also includes uh, the fact that you hate your sins really more because you love God than because you're afraid of being punished or of losing heaven, um, which is the best motivation for hating your sins. And then it finally says, and I resolve not to sin again. I resolve to amend my life. I resolve to avoid the near occasions of sin. These are ways in which we express publicly, at least to the priest and to God, that we are intending not to commit those sins again. I reach for my own textbook now, and in my missile that I keep with me, that act of contrition, oh my God, I am heartily sorry for having offended you, and I detest all of my sins because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell, but most of all because they offend you, my God, who are all good and deserving of all my love. I firmly resolve with the help of your grace to confess my sins, to do penance, and to amend my life. Amen. I mean, you're right. It's all right there. That those prayers were constructed by priests, probably, who were trying to fit the uh, you know the doctrine from the councils into the words that their people could use without you know having uh, to carry around the library with them. So um, the act of contrition contains these various elements of what is included in real sorrow for sins. Um, The sorrow for sins includes this purpose of amendment. 
Now, some people can be confused a little bit about what does the purpose of amendment mean. I mean, I, I say I resolve, in fact, I firmly resolve um, not to sin again and even to avoid the near occasion of sin. But many of us are also familiar with the the occasion of having to go to confession and confess the exact same things you went to confession for last time. And in fact, you might even tell the priest, you know, we hear it on our side of the uh, on our side of the screen. Um, you know, Father, I'm I'm just tired of confessing the same things over and over again. And we we understand that because we ourselves are sinners who go to confession ourselves. So what does that firm purpose of amendment mean? It means that you are at this moment, while you're kneeling there, sitting there in the confessional, right before the priest, you are really and truly and honestly and sincerely intending not to sin again. Now, that intention might be weak so that when the occasion comes up, you, you might fall again, but as far as you can say, right then and there, you are intending not to sin again. And that means then, of course, you know, we can we can question ourselves, do I really mean that if I fall every time I come up to this temptation? Well, maybe you, you don't really have a firm purpose of amendment. Um, so you need to strive to resist those occasions. That means making a plan. If you've noticed that you do fall into a particular sin with some frequency, then start making a plan. Okay. I notice that when I drive, I get angry at other drivers. Okay, next time I get in my car, as I turn the key, I'm going to say, Lord, be with me while I'm on this drive and help me not to get angry like I usually do. Simple little thing. You've made your purpose. Now, you might fail again in that moment. And then, ah, okay, I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again. Um, The firm purpose of amendment is the resolution to leave these sins behind to resist them in the future, resist the temptations in the future. All right. I have some follow-up questions on this, but we're going to take a very quick break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Prayer for vocations. God, our Father, who wills that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of your truth, we beg you to send laborers into your harvest and grant them grace to speak your word with all boldness, so that your word may spread and be glorified, and all nations may know you, the only God, and him whom you have sent, Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of the Americas, and Mary, Mother of the Franciscan Missionaries of the Eternal Word, pray for us. We are back, and if you're just joining us, we're talking with Father Stephen Schumacher about the uh, elements of a good confession, specifically today, that contrition and that firm purpose of amendment. And before the break, Father, you were talking about those who struggle with habitual sin, and I think as a parent, most parents, I'm willing to wager, at least myself, find ourselves saying, I don't want to lose my patience with my children. But the reality is I have five children, and they give me an occasion to grow in that resolve by sometimes doing things, and then I lose my patience. And immediately, usually I regret it, and then go to confession, make a good confession, and as we've said, trying to put that plan in place so that next time when my kids start pushing my buttons, all right, what's going to be different this time? I know one of the lies that we've talked about when I worked with the high school youth back in uh, my youth ministry days was that lie that the devil likes to tell us, well, you've already committed the sin. So you've already, I mean, you've already done this. Why not do it some more? You you might as well enjoy it before. And even if you're going to go to confession, why not enjoy it some more before you go see father? But really, even if you fall and you commit that sin, you can start over with your firm purpose of amendment right there 
until you, you, you know, and, and then get to confession, but you can, you don't have to wait to get to confession, I guess is my question. Yes, that's exactly right. The, I think we're, many of us are familiar with this phenomenon as well of the devil is a false friend. He, he entices us. And then as soon as he, we go along with him, he makes fun of us. He shames us. Right. And then he discourages us as you've just described of, um, well, why not just do it again? You know, it's all right. It's too late. Right. But every sin is another offense against God, which is why we should avoid them, including after we've already committed a sin. Um, and you can actually bring it right back to your example as a parent, right? If your child um, does something wrong, let's say they say a bad word, and you hear them, and instead of coming to tell you, they just say, ah, well, I already said the bad word, I'm going to keep saying a bunch of bad words. That punishment's going to be worse <laughs> than <Yeah>. if... <laughs> Speaking from experience as the child, uh, you know, I'm just going to say that. Yes. So the the punishment truly is going to be worse if we keep committing sins. We ought to detest each one of our sins. In fact, this is why we have to confess mortal sins in kind and number, because we have to be able to say, I detest that one and that one and that one and that one, even though they're all the same one, just done four times. Um so we ought to be resolved immediately upon recognizing a sin. We ought to make an act of contrition, at least interiorly, um, to tell God I'm sorry um, and make a resolution not not to uh, commit that sin again, to get to confession when we're able to and to, to bring this sin to the tribunal of the confessional. Um, this is what I call, not I, what I like to tell people about is this habitual contrition. Um, this is why a very good thing to do at, in the evenings as part of your daily prayer is to pray an act of contrition, um, do an examination of conscience, pray an act of contrition, because you want to have this habitual, I'm just always sorry for my sins. Um, yes, I, I committed one and I immediately elicit this sorrow for my sins. One thing that this is very useful for is if you practice this, it will, one, help you not to commit those sins because it will give you a stronger motivation not to commit them when the occasion arises. But also imagine toward the end of your life, um, as you reach your elder infirm years, and maybe you are less and less able to go to confession. Maybe you're less and less able to say your prayers out loud. I go to visit people as a priest who can't even speak anymore. They can't make a confession out loud anymore. But if they have lived a habitually contrite life, if they've practiced this virtue of being sorry for my sins all the time, then I don't worry about them because, of course, they're sorry for their sins. And when I bring them the sacrament of anointing, it works. Um, so we ought to practice this virtue of habitual contrition. All right. One final question here before we run out of time. We've been talking a lot about what I do in the sacrament. Um, we and we know as the priest, you are acting in the person of Christ, and every now and then, Father will ask you some questions. Now, you mentioned this. Let me ask you a question about that. And I think of one time in my life where there was a habitual sin I was struggling with, and Father said, you know, you mentioned that, but it's been a while. Was there a particular reason it's been a while since you haven't come to confession? Because it sounds like you make a pretty regular confession. And I said, you know, I was ashamed. And he said, that's a lie from the devil. I don't care if you commit the sin tonight after you leave the confessional today. You come back tomorrow. Don't let pride hold you back. And you mentioned that when we live habitual contrition, uh, it, it helps us to avoid sin. But sometimes I think we fall into that trap of, you know, thinking of it as weight training or exercise that if I keep doing this, I will get stronger. But that discounts the effect of grace, as well, that if we're making a good confession regularly, if we are praying that act of contrition daily, it's not just what I'm doing, 
then it opens us up to what God is doing. That's right. As we heard earlier in Lent, uh, the gospel was, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. What he's saying is that it is not by human righteousness that we enter heaven. It's by God's grace. He's saying, look, you have to do better even than the scribes and Pharisees are so particular about observing every last detail of the law. So you need to receive God's grace in order to enter heaven. It's not about what I do in order to make God forgive me. It's about God wanting to forgive us, coming to us with this offer of forgiveness and saying, if you will accept this, which acceptance involves, implies our own effort in the matter, right? You got you to try. But if you'll accept this, then you can be forgiven. And that's, that's the, the order of things. God is first. I am responding to his grace. I firmly resolve with the help of your grace not on my own. Father, this has been a, a wonderful conversation we've been able to have today. Could I ask you to lead us in a prayer for our listeners? Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to pray the act of hope. O Lord my God, I firmly hope for the remission of all my sins, and at the end of this life to come through to joys which know no end, because you yourself have promised, who are infinitely powerful, kind, good, and merciful. In this hope, I intend to live and to die. Amen. Amen. Father Stephen Schumacher, thank you so much for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven. We're going to take a break here. There'll be more of the show after this. Prayer to the Blessed Virgin. Oh, Mary, you desire so much to see Jesus loved. If you love me, this is the favor which I ask of you, to obtain for me a great personal love of Jesus Christ. You obtain from your Son whatever you please. Pray then for me that I may never lose the grace of God and that I may increase in holiness and perfection from day to day by that grief which you suffered on Calvary when you beheld Jesus expire on the cross. Obtain for me a happy death that by loving Jesus and you, my mother, on earth I may receive the reward of loving and blessing you eternally in heaven. Here's a quick catequiz question for you in this month of March. We know that coming up soon, we're going to celebrate a couple of fun feast days. We have uh, the Feast of St. Patrick on Friday the 17th. And then typically in the season uh, or in the month of March, we celebrate the Solemnity of St. Joseph, Spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary on March 19th, which also is the fourth Sunday of Lent this year. So which one trumps? Which one do we celebrate on the 19th? Well, the answer is, according to the table of liturgical days, we celebrate the fourth Sunday of Lent on the 19th. It takes precedence over the Solemnity of St. Joseph. However, because of that, we transfer our observance of the Solemnity of St. Joseph to Monday the 20th. So we still uh, honor him this month, just not on the 19th this year. We'll transfer our celebration to Monday the 20th. We're going to take another break here, get you the weather and the daily dose of encouragement. All this coming up. Prayer for Charity O my Jesus, Thou art very true love, and kindled in my heart the divine fire which consumes the saints and transforms them into You. O Lord our God, we offer Thee our hearts, united in the strongness and most sincere love of brotherhood. We pray that Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament may be the daily food of our souls and bodies, that Jesus may be established as the center of our affections even as he was for Mary and Joseph. Finally, O Lord, may sin never disturb our union on earth, and may we be eternally united in heaven with thee 
and Mary and Joseph, and with all the saints. Amen. I love Mondays because Mondays mean we get a new theme on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Not that I don't like the old themes, but I always love new things. And so Patty Schneier is with us. And Patty, it's a new month, a new week. And uh, here we go with a new theme for the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Well, last month we had gone and looked at Matthew 5 and had done some nuggets from Matthew 5. But of course, everyone knows that Matthew 5 is known for the Beatitudes. And I thought, you know, we really need to go back and take a good look at the Beatitudes. And when I think of the Beatitudes, I cannot help but think our former pastor, Father Jack Dempsey, may he rest in peace. And here's what he used to do at every funeral. He would actually go down to the center of the aisle, right up to the family, and by heart, recount this entire gospel, word for word, without anything in front of him. And I've always wanted to memorize the Beatitudes, and I've never been able to do that. And then I came across this wonderful reflection in The Word Among Us. Many of you know I read The Word Among Us every morning, and Father Jacques Philippe's had a meditation called The Eight Doors to the Kingdom, Meditations on the Beatitudes. So this gave me a bunch of new insights, and I'm just going to share with you what I learned from him. So we're going to unpack the Beatitudes one by one over the course of two weeks here. So today, as a way of introduction, I want us to think of the Beatitudes as a portrait of Jesus himself. And in turn, as we grow in holiness, it becomes a portrait of a mature Christian. And especially on the cross, which of course is perfect for Lent, our reflection in Lent, Jesus was poor, completely poor. He was suffering, gentle, humble, thirsty for justice, merciful, forgiving, pure, a peacemaker, and he was persecuted. So he experienced all of them on the cross. So we're going to take two weeks and we're going to cover four each week. And we're going to try to memorize them. So today, all we're going to do is look at the first four. And I'm going to give you four key words for the first four Beatitudes to try to help you to memorize them. So here we are. The first four are blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The key word is poor. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. So here are the four key words. Poor, mourn, meek, and then hunger and thirst. That's how we're going to memorize these. Poor, mourn, meek, hunger and thirst. So the encouragement for today is just look them up. Look up the Beatitudes, maybe read them in Matthew 5, maybe print them out, read them every day this week, and let's have the Beatitudes on our lips, in our thoughts, and in our hearts this week and always. And remember the first four, poor, poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted, the meek, for they will inherit the earth, and hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. We're going to take each one of those beginning tomorrow and unpack them. But for today, just get ready. We're going to dive into the Beatitudes because we want this portrait of Jesus to be in us. And as we grow in maturity in our Christian faith, we want to become them ever more in our own lives. I have to tell you, there was a little part of me a few weeks ago saying, how can you talk about Matthew chapter 5 without talking about the Beatitudes? But, Patty, you said, hey, we're going to talk about the Beatitudes, and I'm glad we're talking about them this week. So four words for us. Let's see if we can remember them tomorrow when we join together for the next Daily Dose of Encouragement. I have to laugh because as I'm sitting here looking at my computer monitor, uh, 
It's telling me near record temperatures today. I am so looking forward to the weather forecast. The only thing I'm not looking forward to is it's supposed to be moderate tree pollen today. And tree pollen and I don't get along very well. In fact, I've got a little twitch of the eye going for that. But that's all right. It'll fade. Uh, Another thing I want to put on your radar screen, for those of you who are fans of the Journey Home, you may have heard Matt Sway mention this at the end of the Sunrise Morning Show in the previous hour. Father Michael Rainier, pastor of Epiphany Catholic Church in St. Louis, is going to be on the Journey Home tonight. I'm looking forward to watching that episode as well. That's at 7 p.m. For those of you that don't have EWTN television, well, take heart because you can listen to the Journey Home right here on Covenant Network Catholic Radio. In fact, I'm debating skipping the TV entirely and putting the radio on nice and loud in the house and just letting the kids do their coloring and homework while I listen to Father, uh, perhaps with a good beverage in hand to to raise to his honor. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, among other things. And do you know when the Holy Spirit's working in your life? Well, you know, if you do that midday exam, and I'm actually fairly willing to bet that you do see where the Holy Spirit's working in your life. But we'll have uh, we'll have some thoughts on that tomorrow, as well as some ideas of places uh, you might go on a pilgrimage if you've got spring break coming up and you're looking at maybe a little staycation where some places that you could go. That's all on Roadmap to Heaven tomorrow. As we begin this week of Lent, the second full week of Lent, I just want to encourage you keep up with your Lenten practices. We were having a little joke in the house yesterday about, uh, you know, what how we were doing and... Um, He said, I was doing fine until we started talking about it, you know, but that's okay. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I mean, I guess that's the point. If we fixate on good things, we won't think about that which we can't have, you know? Focus on doing holy work. Focus on doing good spiritual work, and you won't notice the things that, you know, maybe those temptations you want but you shouldn't have. You'll just forget about them because you'll be so preoccupied with doing God's will. Wouldn't that be the ideal? Oh, wait, it is the ideal. Do God's will today. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven, and as the Blessed Mother wants us to do each and every day. Do not forget to pray your rosary today.